a lot of people who are academics or either when they're reinventing themselves or you know abroad or wherever they are they don't think about the cultural differences for example in Canada United States um, you don't have a picture in your CV but in Denmark that's quite common or expected actually to have a picture that's just one example of thinking like about these differences without losing themselves in the process Welcome to this new episode of Beyond the Thesis with Papa PhD. This week, I have the great pleasure of having with me from Denmark, Kate Dahl. Kate is the founder and career consultant of her company, Career Denmark APS. She's an American who has lived and worked in Denmark for many years and has helped many international job seekers successfully find and secure their dream role in Denmark. Kate dropped her PhD while abroad and had to reinvent herself twice in the non-academic field. Today, she helps expats like her find a place in Denmark's job market. And with her, we're going to explore the stories she has, personal and the other stories she might know, of reorientation and reinvention. And uh, that is why I'm super, super happy to have you here today. Welcome, Kate Dahl, to Beyond the Thesis with Papa Pichi. Thank you so much for having me, David. Uh, this is uh, really, I'm really looking forward to our topic, for this topic and to discuss further. And so, yeah, just to shoot me your questions away, David. Well, the first question <laughs> is, you know, I gave a, a really, really quick intro, uh, quick bio uh, of, of what, you know, of your journey so far. Uh, and I quickly mentioned that you dropped your, your PhD and then after that had to reinvent yourself uh, a couple of times professionally outside that academic um and that academic space can you talk a little bit about uh, about that uh, maybe not going to all the details of of dropping out but i think normalizing the fact that sometimes dropping out is the right thing for you i, I think it's always a great thing to do because uh, people might be sticking to something that they'd be better dropping. And I think it's an important message. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, well, one, there's actually many reasons why I dropped out. Uh, first and foremost, it's just I was uh, studying and doing my PhD in Germany. And how it works in Germany is that you have to find external funding. And so I wasn't able to find that external funding. Uh, so that was one of the other reasons. Um, the other reason was um, love. <laughs> love makes you do things like go to Denmark of all places, right? But I also decided that if like I, I, I was going through this struggle about why am I doing this PhD, right? Like why am I doing this? Is it really necessary for me? Because I was really doing it, I think, for the wrong reasons. Um, part of it is like for the prestige and honor and possibly power uh, in some way because you're because it's the idea that if you have a PhD you're it's about getting respect from people and i find found out that people not, don't always respect you because you have a PhD you have to earn people's respect in the end it's not just about title or um yeah or gaining like notoriety uh, in, in this way right so I, I really question that. And it was always my dream to do a PhD because I think a lot of it was because I wanted my family uh, to recognize me. And I, and I would have been like 
the first other uh, first woman ever to go and have to have had a PhD or even a master's, by the way, because my mother was first generation American who uh, as a woman who actually went to university to study because um, in the United States, it's quite common to just have a bachelor's. But I wanted to take it further because I wanted my family to be proud of me. And I realized that I'm not going to make my family proud of me because of having a title or a diploma. It's just for, you know, I, I realized that I needed to be happy. And those are the, I would say those are the honest reasons why I dropped my PhD, to be honest. So, and and yeah. they're all super, super valid. And uh, and uh, thanks for sharing that. Now, now and, and also if, if, you know, the the what i think that is interesting is that uh, some of those are very personal uh you know they're not technical reasons they're not uh they're really personal reasons of uh, relationships of uh introspection and i think that needs to be part of uh, what you do before going into a phd but also if you're in a phd and and you feel that there's something's wrong that you're you know you're somehow not where you sh you you saw yourself as being or you're not where you see yourself in in a couple of years and something inside tells you that you're not at the right spot well you need to listen to that and and um and yeah just uh change plans change of plans is not it's not failing it's just reorienting and reinventing yourself which is where we're going <laughs> exactly exactly David. so how was how was that first moment of because for sure there's some some aspect of um uh you know you you're leaving a community when you decide to drop right you're leaving a community you're you may be thinking or having feelings of failing in a certain uh in a certain to a certain extent um and uh, you know there's some mourning with a prospect that you had of having this diploma etc cetera, etc cetera. how did that transition go and how what were the stepping stones to that, to that first uh, chapter, let's say, of reinventing yourself? Ooh, that's a really tough question, David. <laughs> I think, I mean, for me at least, I it took me a long time to, I, I kind of developed this imposter syndrome, I think, for a while. Because when you drop something and, because, and if you don't finish something, you do feel like a failure. Uh, in that way, right? And I had to learn over time to, for, I, I wouldn't call it, I guess you can call it forgiveness, but I had to learn to be compassionate towards myself and to say that, you know, I wasn't a failure in doing the, uh, in dropping it, that I had to be kind and say that this is the path that it was just meant to be. And I found something better. And I mean, it's the romantic story that every woman wants to find her Prince Charming. And I was very lucky to have found uh, that man. And I've been with him for 12 years and uh, haven't regretted it, you know, since. And I've also learned that, and that was one of the things I really struggled with, was that if I dropped my PhD, would I regret it? And that's something I've been really struggling with even to this day is do I regret it? And I've just learned to let go and say that it's just that this is where life has taken me and that I had to be okay with it and said that I, I am okay and I've made peace with that. And that 
led me to reinvent myself is that like once I've made the decision to let go, then I was able to go into a new field and reinvent myself because I had to, I had to completely let go because you would have to leave. Cause I think a lot of the time, especially those who are expats, it could also be those who are academic as well, that we feel that our identity is our degree or our identity is our career. And that's not who our identity is. Like we are not like, you know, I, you know, the, the, the PhD Kate Dahl or, you know, and this is something I still struggle with, to be honest, sometimes. And I'm also still on this journey of finding that I like Kate Dahl is not a sale. Like Kate Dahl is not just sales. Kate Dahl is not just career consultant for internationals in Denmark. Like I've had to learn that Kate Dahl is a mother. Kate Dahl is a wife. Uh, and Kate Dahl is m- more than who she is than just the career aspect. Because I think a lot of times we take our career and we say, this is our identity. Like, this is who we are. But is that really, David? Like, is that really who are, who we are as people? And I think I, I would just, like, challenge everyone in that. And I'm still on this journey. Like, I'm still finding who Kate Dahl is. And I think every expat or any academic who is going to reinvent themselves that, you know, you have to, you have to remove that and say, this is not just me. It was me and that's fine, but now you're going to leave it. And when you reinvent yourself, like you have to accept and leave that behind and say, I am okay with this no matter what, because otherwise you're going to just go back to inside. I should have done this and this, but because in the end, you need to find peace within your own self. I, I firmly believe. That. Yeah, I, I so. really, it's really interesting that you mentioned that. I, I, I get two, two elements from what you you just said, and one is uh, about uh, letting go uh, when you close a door and choose another path. Letting go of of that closed door and putting it in the past, which actually is where it is. You can't you can't go back and reopen that door. But we do have this tendency uh, to kind of ruminate or, or just think back and say what what would have been or, or et cetera. But um, it feels to me like today with all the all that's out there, um, even like in the Marvel universe, you know, there's always talk about multiverse, et cetera, or on foundation, uh, you know, Asimov's foundation. We, we, are, we have a great vocabulary to kind of... Uh, visualize this idea of when there's a when there's a, a fork in the road and you choose one path then the other one it needs to it's like an old branch that just needs to to die off and 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 go in the wind because you should give all of yourself to where you are now uh, anyway it makes me think of uh, of uh, i don't know if you know uh, who who um, I listened to this uh, musician, Krishna Das, who I don't know if you know him, but uh, have you heard about Ram Das? People who went to India in the 70s and came back with teachings and and uh, and the the saying that they have is "Be here now." It's it's one of the things that that, that they have. And if you're living in the past, or or if you're hanging on to something in the past that you feel that is unresolved or not well resolved, as you might have failed or is a tarnish you're then not you're not being here now and i think it's very healthy what you're saying that 
uh, you are led, you know, that, that exercise of letting go, because there's no, there's no use in that. The second very interesting thing is the one about identities. And that's something I've been really trying to find a way to communicate to, especially first year, second year graduate students, which is, yes, you are now in graduate school, but don't make it your whole identity. Graduate school is just two if you're a master's, but you know, six, five, six, five, six, seven years of your life, but you're going to live 80, 90 years. So your identity is the whole thing. You need to always keep that, that whole, uh, the whole of your life in mind, in my opinion. It's so, and that helps in two ways. You don't over-identify with one thing. And this means that if something goes wrong with this thing, it's not your whole life that crumbles. It's just a small aspect of, of your life that you know is just a detail in a way. Um, and then it allows you to keep... Uh, to keep um, nurturing other aspects of yourself, your creativity, activities that you like that are, let's say, extracurricular, but that that contribute to your mental health. I don't know if you have a, if this resonates with you. Oh, absolutely, and, and it's funny because I've also like I I've had like many crises of like, what do I do now? This is like part of who I am. But then like I've had to learn, and especially when I reinvented myself and said, okay. I'm going into sales now because this was in demand at the time. Um, that was just, I then, I then again, I came, became consumed by that and been saying that this is my identity. And now I'm in this process of even now being a career consultant saying, this is who I am, but this is also might not be like, and it's okay that I embrace and saying this is who I am to some extent, but I am also okay in letting go and saying, Maybe in five and 10 years, maybe I'm not going to be a career consultant for internationals in Denmark. Maybe I'm going to go into something else, marketing or whatever, because I think it's also okay to do different things. And, uh, and it's funny because like even this summer, like I was playing with, the, I just wanted to meet new people. And I just actually, I just became a host uh, and giving helping uh, people who are uh, learning want to come to Aarhus to see the city. And I've just been doing it for kind of fun. And I said, oh, actually, I could be like a tour guide. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like, and, and, I, and, and because it's, it's okay to like explore different things. And I, you don't and it's not because like, I mean, career, uh, career Denmark is doing fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it's okay to explore different areas. But it's also okay to look back at your graduate studies and say, this was also me, but it's not all of me. And I think that's okay to say as well and saying, yes, I am the master's of arts. I am a European studies major, but it's not all of me. You know, so it's about like having the little puzzle. Pie I, I like to make the example of puzzle pieces because uh, my, my, my two and a half year old son, he's now obsessed with puzzles right now. And I was like, and I, and I, and I find that very beautiful in the way where, you know, each little part of your life is a little puzzle. And then like each part of that makes you, you, and that's your identity. And it creates the whole picture of who you are. I love it. I, I love you it. Know? And I think it's, it's super, super important. Uh, and again, if only just for the fact that uh, you, you know, you're less prone to to be depressed because you're failing at life because professionally something is going wrong. If you you see yourself as a multitude of of different puzzle pieces, like you said, I, I really love it. And so you, you mentioned 
two reinventions. Um, uh, so sales first, well, that was the first chapter, let's say, and then eventually you you came to to this um, realization that there was a need for helping people who wanted to to get a job in the in in the specific uh, uh, Denmark job market. How how did how did that come by? Was it through conversations with other people? Uh, because it's it's quite different from sales, right? Um, it's funny because when you're a business owner and you're the only person who's running your business, <laughs> then you are That's still. Uh, yeah, it's funny because <laughs> no, it, I I actually have never left sales <laughs> because it's no, and it's funny because when I went my business, like, I'm gonna just like not do sales and I'm not gonna do that. No, it's you're still. You still, I, I haven't run away from it a hundred percent. And that's the beauty about reinventing yourself as well, is that you can still take something from previously and then take those skills that can transition into something new. And that's what I did without actually realizing it in so many ways. But when I came to this idea or the conclusion that I really should, you know, help in, in internationals with their job search in Denmark, it became, I just, part of it was the need that I saw within the area. Like it was about five, six years ago uh, where I w it started out actually by simply to my going to my Danish lessons. And after some time, I remember like I got let go from one position and my uh, classmate next to me said, oh, you'll get something in no time. And then like two weeks later, I already got something again. And she, and I remember her looking at me. And she's like, okay, Kate, she's like, I'm going to admit when I said, like, you know, don't worry, you're going to find something new. I really didn't mean it. <laughs> it's like, I was like, okay. And she's like, but listen, I have been looking for more than two years. I have would die. She's a issue to get do anything like even related to what you're doing. I have a PhD in chemistry. She's like, and I like, I've been trying forever to get something in academia or even in the private sector, and I have not been able to get anything. So what is your secret sauce, Kate? <laughs> and, and that really started to make me, that was one of the many things that made me start to think. And then there were other little signs along the way, um, like talking to some people in my network um, and with had doing coffee meetings. Um, and, and it's funny because one of the things that I wanted to do was conquer my fear of public speaking. So one, and I was thinking about, I said, what am I going to do as a topic? And it ended up being about tips and tricks on job searching in Denmark based on my story. And so when I collaborated with an organization um, and promoted the event, it more, more, my first talk was more than 80 people. Physically, this was before COVID. And I was like, holy There's crap. There's something here. And that... <laughs> Exactly. And then I started to do workshops and different like events in Aarhus. And I was like, okay, maybe this is, there's a need for all of Denmark. And I've just been doing it ever since. And then became uh, an official company, the APS, a corporate company in 2020, then COVID hit and then, uh, and change everything. But, you know, it's still a beautiful journey. Um, and that's just how it kind of naturally came about actually so so, so yeah. what i love about this conversation today is that there's you know i was talking about i was talking about multiverses just a little a little while ago and i feel that there, there might be great parallels between what you do and what i try to to do in another way i'm not 
at least not yet <laughs> coaching people directly but with with beyond the thesis which is taking people uh, across uh, across this you know to cross this ford of of being in, in one world and getting into another world where the language is not the same uh, the the culture is not the same there's there's some interesting parallels there so what i want to ask you is what is what is it you know if if you had to distill in a nutshell the main uh barriers that people need to work a little bit on to cross from the non denmark to the denmark job market um yeah if they're already living abroad or if they're already living in denmark or both let's say let's say they're in denmark let's say they're in denmark and and they're not finding like you like your friend they're having trouble you know uh getting a, a foot in the door let's say Yeah. So one of the barriers, I mean, you could argue that Danish language could be a barrier. And sure, that definitely could be a, a barrier depending on what um, area you're in. Like if you're going to be a nurse or if you're going to go into, a specific, let's say, Danish language research, maybe obviously you should be fluent in Danish in that, right? So I, it, it, of course, it really depends on the field. But I always say that if there is a barrier, What, or what that is, then just work on it. And me, and I find one of the other biggest barriers is, is that internationals have a really hard time learning how to communicate their value in the Danish cultural context without losing themselves in the process. And now, what? And what do I mean by that? So I think a lot of a lot of people who are academics or either when they're reinventing themselves or, you know, abroad or wherever they are, they don't think about the cultural differences. Like, for example, in Canada and the United States, um, you don't have a picture in your CV normally. Uh, so, but in Denmark, um, that's quite common or expected, actually, to have a picture. So you have, so those are like, that's just one example of thinking like about these differences, uh, cultural And what, and then about not without losing themselves in the process. Um, I think a lot of the times we end up doing, we try to do things too much and expect too much of what the majority wants. And I think not, it doesn't mean that we have to agree or adhere to it because I think as minorities or as, let's say, if you're from, let, let's say you're from a country where your skin is a little bit darker. We'll leave it at that. Um, there is still some issues in Denmark that I'm quite blatant about um, where you have conscious and unconscious bias. And so if you have your picture on your CV, you have to think about two things. Do you think, okay, is it more important for me to get the job? Or is it more important to be proud of who I am and my identity of where I come from? And that's a really difficult question that I pose on, uh, you know, pose, I pose on people when I do my one-on-one -on -one trainings and say, does this make sense? Because it is, yeah, because this is a really big topic that is still being discussed. And, and actually, what, there's a pharmaceutical company in Denmark called Novo Nordisk um, that in Copenhagen that is one of the only companies that I know of. If anyone else knows of a different, another company that does this, please tell me 
that they're one of the only companies in Denmark that says, please do not put your picture in your CV. Otherwise, you will not be uh, uh, considered for the role. And I'm really surprised by that because no no country in Denmark has done ha, does this. Uh, though I know like Lego is very progressive, and Lego set, like they will they're they're a little bit more flexible. Uh, but uh, Novo Nordisk is one of the only companies that I know that has spoken out about it, and I find that uh, very progressive actually. Wow. So a little bit I went on a tangent, right? No, there, no, it, it's, not, it's not a tangent. It's it's really really <laughs> interesting, and it it does have a lot of parallels, and I'm sure. It's the same, you know. You know, right? Uh, people who go to grad schools, especially PhDs, they often go abroad for the, for that part of their academic life, and uh, and I'm sure they they if they want to stay in that country, eventually, like you said, if they're from uh, a visible minority, uh, uh, BIPOC, etc., I'm sure de depending on where they are, this might be an issue for them. And it's uh, it's super interesting that you mention it. Now, actually, Slava, who's still watching, thank you, Slava, uh, has a question about identity, and um, I'm going to bring it up, and I will let you answer because I, I think it's really uh, it's really something that you um, can answer. Two important ID uh, struggle, two important ID struggles in us career and personal life and both need energy of course how do you manage to keep them both in balance kate that is such a good question slava um what i love about danish culture is about work-life balance and so for example after today's uh live and after today's podcast i am going to shut the computer and say now i'm going to pick up my son and I'm going to spend time with him. And I don't between certain times. And I say from 10 to four, for example, this is when I think about work. And this is when I'm going to, or let's say even job searching and saying this is, or like, uh, this is when I'm going to like do my, my work identity or so to say, right, my career identity. And then I leave that behind when I am with my son. And so, and with my family, and I actually don't even think about it. I, I, or even if I'm tempted and sometimes I act, and I mean, we're human, we tend to slip up. It's funny because then my husband checks. I mean, he's like, Kate, are you working again? I'm like, oh, you're so right, honey. I'm sorry. Yeah. And so, and, and, and we check on that because also my husband is also guilty of that. I'm like, are you working on your phone again, honey? He's like, yes, Kate, I'm sorry. And then we'll put away our phone and then we're, we're family. And we really, really good at checking each other out very well. Um, so I, that's like a tip I would do is like, I don't know if it answers it a hundred percent because it is about that balance, but I really like, that's the way that how I handle like uh, handle that right now. So I don't know. Yeah, no, it, I, I think that's the best it does make sense. <laughs> and and is, so. so you're saying that it's part of Danish culture, this this compartmentalizing of the different aspects of your life. Yeah, I, well, I would say it's more like I don't know about compartmentalizing, but I think it's about matter of when you decide to switch on and off um about when you're with family like or even like when i'm networking for example um i say okay now i'm career consultant for internationals in denmark and at this place i'm actually not career consultant for internationals i am a mother or i am going to be uh, i'm going to be the wife or i am going to um uh yeah maybe i'm going to an event and i just want to meet people and i say i'm self-employed and i actually don't mention that i'm a career consultant for internationals in denmark because i want 
people to look at me differently. And that's something I'm still struggling with even now. Um, and when it comes to like work-life balance, it's very much for Danes that when they're at work, they're at work and then they leave work and they're with family. And that's why it's so hard for internationals or foreigners to meet with Danes because they, they go back to their lives at home and they're like very much compartmentalizing work and uh, private life. And it's very much se uh, separated like a scissor. And that's, and that's a pro and a con, course, you know. So It's yeah. interesting what you, you were just mentioning before and what you've been talking about makes me think. I'm reading this book right now called 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals by um, Oliver Berkman. And uh, no, that's not it. It's not by Oliver Berkman. Let me see the. I guess there's another one. Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah, by Oliver Berkman. And he he says he says that he says uh, if you uh, he, what what he's saying is we have lim limited time on this planet, and that we all know. <laughs> and he says in average it's four thousand weeks, and work is has this tendency, especially today with technology, to becoming infinite. If you if you clear your your slate there's more that's going to fall onto it and there's always a reason to be working so it is it is an interesting uh, uh an interesting and, and i think useful reflection of being able to cut the cord uh, at some time of the day and and again it be here now in being fully in this in this in each kind of chapter of the day i'm fully working when i'm working and then i'm fully with my son or my or my family when i am i really really enjoy, really like that um now so the parallel that i find with what you're saying uh, is is actually yes it's there so often when people leave academia and go into let's say industry which is already there's there's even like negative stereotypes on each side of that that wall like from academics have bad stereotypes about industry and industry about academics and uh yeah there's there's this uh, question of identity but also of uh of language of of uh, knowing what is uh uh you know what is valued on the other side of the wall and i think i feel that it's pretty much the same with people changing culture geographically um so uh my instinct anyway my my instinct was right in that sense that uh what you are doing is pretty close to to uh what i want to do which is to help people get out of academia and successfully go into another space um now when people come to you and you know we have slava asking about uh work-life balance you've mentioned how it how it is for you and what the tendency is uh, in denmark but what are can you share what problems or what um barriers or, or obstacles people come to you uh with saying uh hi kate i you know i've been trying for this much time and i'm you know this this snag that i'm that's holding me back uh, can you help me with it do you have specific things like that that you can share Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, it's funny because I would like to also go back to because re recently I've been helping a lot more academics going into uh, the industry. Um, and that's what I've been doing. Uh, and I have quite a bit ex of experience doing. Um, and I think that's like one challenge. Is that, well, they go through two challenges. One with academics they still think like academics and they still apply how to talk. They talk like an academic, 
when they're in going into the industry. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you have to think a little bit like help help the reader understand because you because I you could see that you know, especially with academics, they love what normally they love what they do and they're very passionate about they, what they do, but they have to apply like their learnings from the in, uh, industry because I think in, from, in, from the industry's perspective on academics, they tend to think, well, they don't have experience with industry. Can they actually talk? They kind of, they end up stereotyping them and say, well, can they actually work in the team? Yes. You know, <laughs> that's, that's a big part of it. <laughs> yeah, it's very, and, but it's very, it's also similar to Danish as well, because Dan, because in Danish culture, teamwork is very, very much incorporated in Danish, in, in Danish work culture. And so what, academics need to do or it, it doesn't you don't necessarily have to be an academic like I think it's just a lot of what internationals in general have a hard time is that they focus so much on their hard skills that they forget about their soft skills and that's and soft and and, and a lot of times with internationals as well or even academics they like they hear back from Danish companies they're like sorry your your personality is not the right fit for us, and that makes and I and I really don't like that wording because it's very much about because in Danish culture that's the other thing is that they're very much about like can this person fit into our team? Can we work well together? Can they work in the, uh, in the can they balance in being independent on a project and working in a team? Can they do both? And so if they don't like stress enough soft skills. And when a Danish company says, well, your personality is not the right fit for us, then as an international or even as an academic, they're like, what's wrong with my personality? And I tell them there's nothing wrong with your personality. It's just how it's how they word it. It's just what they're saying is that they didn't, weren't able to see your soft skills because personality and soft skills in Danish culture are very much tied together. And I think it's the same in academia as well. And that's what I also try uh, one of the big barriers is just to be able to simply communicate that as well and to also and one of the other things that i really try to focus on is like on applications and how to communicate cultural nuances like there's um a given example there is a philosophy in denmark called yentalo or law of yenta and yentalo or law of yenta is this idea where you don't boast or brag or show too much of yourself. And as an academic, especially, you want to show that I have done this many academic papers and I have gone to this many amount of conferences and I have done this and they, and it becomes too much like for them. So it's very, you have to be very, very careful on the wording and how you do it. Because if you say I was number one in like the, or I was voted the number best journal uh, in like science and technology, I'm just making something up. Right. So, so like, and if you say it like that, that's like, it would be such a turnoff for them. But if you word it in a way and say like in uh, the, uh, the research group project was not like uh, was voted the best, or if you mention it and put it together and frame it differently, then they're like, oh, well, you know, then they're like, okay, then they think you're a little bit more humble about it. And that's really the big challenge that you face uh, is mentioning that communication without breaking that cultural barrier a little bit. So, and I think that's a problem that all everyone goes through, not just academics, but I think especially academics. Of so. so we're reaching the, the end of the interview, but there's, there's two things that I'd like to cover. One has to do with what you just mentioned of uh, the cultural... Um, 
the cultural differences and the the uh, the unknowns when you come from abroad. Uh, but before we do, I'd like to just take this moment to uh, to let you share wh- where you are online. If people have questions for you, if they want to go to Denmark, but uh, if if they are curious about you know your experience, your journey, where's the best place to find you and to reach out to you? Yeah, so the best way to reach out to me is on uh, careerdenmark.dk. You can fill out a free evaluation form as well to find out, um, you know, what kind of uh, help you need. Uh, and that just takes about 10 minutes to do, and I'll get back to you, and that's absolutely free. You can go on my website as well for a free ebook. And I'm also doing a free competition right now, so it's in the link as well in the comments, I guess. Is there a place where they can find the competition? Is there a page on your website for it? It's on all my social media platforms. It's not on my website right now, but it's on all my available social media platforms. All you have to do is come nominate yourself and have others nominate you. And there's all, all the criteria is in, the, in all my social media posts. So just go to my any channel on, social, on any of my social media posts and look at the rules and el- eligibility to be a part of that competition. Perfect. Perfect. So, and so, yeah. so Kate's uh, website is careerdenmark.dk. On Facebook, you can find her as at Career Denmark, uh, and then I guess you'll get it. You'll get there for people watching. The link to the competition is uh, scrolling here uh, at the bottom of the screen. Uh, it's a long link, so we can we shortened it through Bitly. Uh, great. So if you have any questions for Kate, if you want to hear more about her story, or if you actually want to to uh, reach out to her for for her services, just uh, just click on these links. Of course, I will share them on the show notes. If uh, if if that's where you are uh, right now, now to this question of um, of you know the unknowns when you go into a new space, how do you uh, you know apart of course from coming to you and and uh, getting help from you, Kate <laughs> Kate Dahl, um, how can people get some intel about uh, uh, about these differences? You know this Yentalaw, I would I had never heard of it. So how do you, if you're preparing to change spaces, what's the type, in your opinion, of strategy, tactic you can use to, by yourself, get some intel on maybe things you shouldn't say or ways to present yourself? Is there, do, you, do, you, you know, do you have something to share on that side of things? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of resources like that are free on the internet, like with different, if you even put in like, you know, uh, work in Denmark, for example, you'll get a whole bunch of stuff about what's what it's like to work in Denmark, if you just Google it, or even on YouTube, uh, uh, when you go to work in Denmark, uh, I also collaborate with a lot of uh, YouTubers as well, and you'll probably end up seeing me there as well. But and because I do a lot of collaborations like I am doing with you today. So you can just go and think about what are the key- different keywords uh, about knowing as well about uh, the other thing I would also encourage is like a lot of times people think, oh, Denmark's this great country, but really think and say, is this really the right country and the right fit for me? And like, because I think a lot of the times, especially if you're an academic or somewhere else, you are applying to different countries and it's quite often that you're moving all over the world for that uh, position, but also find out if that country is the right fit for you and would you feel comfortable and happy there? Because a lot of people come to me and be like, I want to come to Europe. And I'm like, great, 
what, what country do you want to go to? I mean, yeah, it's like kind of saying like, I want to go to North America. And I'm like, great. There's uh, some similarities between Canada and the United States, but there are cultural differences between us as well. So, and even between provinces, I would imagine. It's the same with the states in the United States, right? Um, but there's also Mexico, you know, so you people tend to forget that. I mean, it's almost like saying like also like Asia, like we forget how many cultures yeah, there are in huge. Asia, you know, so it's huge. And that's what I also encourage everyone is like, really, really think about it's not just about Denmark. It's just think about what really get help and do the research on what country you want to go to, because it should also be the right fit for you and where you think you'll be most happy as well. Yeah. So question, a question yeah. on that point before I get to my last question is, are there uh, networks of expats that people could tap into for, for this sort of information? Oh, yeah. I mean, there are different various Facebook groups and like different um, uh, groups on LinkedIn and just put in like keywords, you know, like uh, in your field, like even if you're an academic, you know, just say like, look, try to find keywords like academics in Denmark or, you know, academics in Germany, whatever, right? Or PhDs, whatever. You can find different groups like that on both LinkedIn and on Facebook. I'm a little bit sketchy on Facebook in some ways, but Facebook can also be a good tool. So just look into it and find out and, and just search those using those keywords, essentially. Awesome. So. so now my last question has to do with the point that you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, which has to do with sometimes when you move countries, there is this invisible barrier to getting to know local people. And and you're saying, especially in countries where people like have this like very very uh, sharp cut between work hours and then family time. Um, what is the what type of advice do you do? How how do expats end up uh, kind of uh, feeling uh, that they're part of the community and integrated? Uh, is there some advice that you can share uh, on that side too? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of the times as expats, we tend to go for what makes us feel comfortable first. And that might be like meeting other internationals or foreigners um, or going to like what is comfortable, like, you know, Americans or Canadians or Australians. And we kind of end up kind of keeping into our little bubble. And I think that's a really big mistake. Um, and I think it's about challenging yourself to really meet locals and meet the people or meeting like Danes or the majority. Right. And that could be simply like, you know, take a yoga class or take some courses or, you know, maybe go on a, if you, if you like to, you know, do a wine tasting or whiskey or whatever, you know, just join those different events to meet people. Um, it could also be rotary, like join a rotary club or find different clubs that you can, join and find like join that professional network or i mean uh, academics time to also uh, keep within academics uh, a little bit especially internationals but really challenge yourself to uh for the integration process to meet other because it is really hard especially outside and um with as well and also like if you're um let's say like a mother like as well we have something called um mother's groups like once a child is born uh you are automatically put in the system where like you have like a group with mothers and 
It could be, and I would say like, just don't be asking for a group of internationals, be with a group because that, that does happen. And I, and I hear that a lot and I'm they're like, they don't want to be with like the Danes or whatever. And I'm like, why? Like you live here in this country. So like, go meet, go meet other, uh, go meet the mothers. And if your Danish isn't good, just try. And most Danes are very helpful, like to help you along the way. So like just do those things to help you. And it's okay to be with other internationals to have that comfortability, but just be like, help get out of your comfort zone. I love it. I love it. It's so. great advice. And it's also great advice. Like, like I said, it's a parallel, it's really a parallel experience. It's really a great advice also for graduate students who are abroad. It's, it's great, great advice. Of course, you do have that expectation when you go work somewhere that you might become friends with the people from work but depending on the culture, this might not happen. So being part of other groups, other tribes is the way to go, I guess. Uh, and, and it is great, great advice. Um, Kate, uh, we were reaching really the end of, of the interview, sadly, but this has been great. I, I really found a lot of parallels between what you do uh, and uh, and the, the graduate student, but also the, the academic moving to another uh, space professionally. Uh, uh, it, it's really clear to me that there are uh, that there there's advice that you shared that applies on both <laughs> on both of both of these uh, these realities, and um, one of them is find you know getting to know the language of that space you're going into, and I'm not saying the language, the oral language, but the cultural language. What is what is accepted? What is preferred? Often it's not the same as where you come from. And if you want to, to especially get a job, you need to be a fit. And to, I think it's it's a reality in, you know, wherever you are today, companies or entities want a good fit with their teams. And so soft skills, knowing your soft skills, knowing how to present them. And, is, you know, just listing them is not enough. Knowing how to tell the story of why you are the, the, not the right person for the job is very, very important. Um, and then, uh, this final aspect that we talked about of, you know, if where you are, uh, friendships at work are not happening because it's just not, it's just not the thing to do, do, uh, allow yourself or at least make an effort to get into the, the social, uh, the, the social network of the place through other activities that you like to do. I really, really think it's really important. So, well, Kate, this was great. Again, thank you so much for uh, for uh, having accepted to to come on uh, Beyond the Thesis with Papa PhD. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, I feel great energy coming from you. So, I think people who end up working with you are very lucky to uh, to be able to uh, to be guided. You were talking about being a tour guide. Well, you're kind of guiding them into this into this uh, unknown <laughs> place. And uh, I think a bunch of us in this community of uh, some of us are coaches. Some of us, like me, are just doing podcasts. But that's kind of we, what we want to do: is make a kind of strange, difficult experience smoother and productive, and in the end, you know, happy and fulfilling. And uh, and I believe a lot of what you shared and a lot of what you do applies uh, directly and, and with with no question to uh, to you know scientists wanting to work outside of academia so yeah super grateful that we had this conversation today thank you for having me david it was lovely 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Beyond the Thesis with Papa PhD. If this conversation has helped you somehow, if you know someone who has a great story to share on the show, or if you yourself have a story you'd like to share with me on Beyond the Thesis, send me a note to listener at papaphd.com. I'm always happy to connect with listeners like you. If you want to support me in creating the podcast in any other way, you can go to papaphd.com forward slash support and choose whichever way works best for you. I am David Mendez. See you next week.